With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Friday, if you're on the internet, you would have saw headlines around the announcement, the letter that the attorneys for Elon Musk sent to the SEC with their intent to terminate the $44 billion merger agreement of Twitter. It's been chaotic. I don't know how long it's been. It's been a month or two months or three. I've lost track because it's been messy. There have been no normalcies to this entire deal. The M&A playbook was thrown out and they've been playing a game of dramaticism. This is a play. This is a movie waiting to happen. I feel like I'm watching it every single day on Netflix or Hulu or whoever picked up the rights to this story. So before we jump in, I am Jalen Bledsoe. I am the managing director of Flair Partners. We are a consulting and advisory firm supporting Fortune 1000 companies in the areas of management and operations, as well as marketing communications. I've had the, the pleasure to sit in the room and be a part of deals on both the front end of M&A, but also the integration of the teams on the back end of a merger and or acquisition. And this one, I can only imagine how bad it is on the inside for the employees and leadership right now at Twitter. And that's today's conversation. Not much about the deal. I'll kick us off on some of the deal updates, where we at, why are we here? But I have some thoughts on what's happening culturally right now at Twitter and how they can move forward or how they have to move forward if there's a deal or if there's no deal. So context on where we're at before I jump in, I'm going to use Elon and Elon's attorneys or the attorneys of Elon interchangeably because ultimately every letter submitted is by the attorneys on behalf of Elon and every tweet that Elon tweets has no attorneys and it's just Elon. So for the sake of simplicity, it's Elon in this conversation. So Elon claims that Twitter has not complied with their contractual obligation to provide data on the number of fake or spam accounts on the platform. Twitter has maintained in the deal and in their previous annual SEC filings that it is at or around 5%, but Elon maintains that that is inaccurate. Now, let's be honest. If that is a point that matters to this deal, not only does it invalidate the deal and he can get out of it, it also is going to create a major situation between the SEC, any previous or current shareholder of Twitter, and Twitter themselves, because that means they've been lying in their SEC filings for years at this point in time. So we're not going to get into that here because, again, that's not the conversation. But again, Elon says it's way more than five. He's done Twitter polls. He's gotten his Twitter audience engaged. Twitter believes it is at or around five. And many just say it's hard to measure the data point, and it's a data point that will change every moment of the day, depending on how it's measured and what we're measuring. So jumping past that. Why it's challenging in this conversation, Elon Musk and all this chaos from the Twitter polls that got us to this point of him looking to inquire Twitter. Remember, it was a large stake in Twitter. It was the death pill that Twitter, the poison pill that Twitter took. And it was essentially if a shareholder buys more than X amount of stock or X amount of percentage of stock, we can create more stock 
to dilute their ownership to less than a point of where they would have major control. They also invited Elon to the board. He accepted that offer. It was announced and he was on the board for negative five minutes because it was announced and taken back that he was not going to do it. And then shortly after, there was the announcement for Twitter, the merger or the acquisition deal of $44 billion, which was a 30% markup or premium to where the company was valued at that day in the market. So it's been chaotic. But in that negotiation that was short-lived, Elon gave up his rights to a due diligence period. This deal was based purely on the fact of what was available publicly and maybe whatever Elon would have gotten because he was operating or could have been operating or should have been operating in good faith with Twitter's management and board to do the deal. So in that merger acquisition deal, there are no mention of due diligence except for one point. And it says he does not have that right, essentially, um, in shorter terms. So you can't back out of the deal now because you're not happy with data that is available in there unless that data is going to be materially incorrect of what's been available to the public for years. And again, there's that SEC problem. So not going to deal too much in the conversation on what went wrong or what didn't. But let's dig into quickly the outcomes of how this can play out. So option A, you know, this is going to go to the court um, in Delaware. Delaware has their own court for business, the court of chancellery. It's a business court. It's the only one in the country that operates in this form. Uh, it's a court focused entirely on business disputes and uh, business contracts. So option one is to avoid all of that in the years um, and cost of three years of battling in court with Elon and Twitter, they settle. Option one, they settle. Uh, option one, they settle either to complete the merger at a cheaper cost, let's say $35 billion, which is down from the $44 billion agreed upon amount, which is still at a premium to today's $28 billion market cap. Option B to that settlement is they settle to exit, exit the deal and Elon Musk pays a penalty of around $5 billion, which is a still a premium and a markup to that $1 billion termination fee, which technically does not apply to this conversation. So that's option one A and one B settlement. Either they settled in before cheaper or they exit the deal with a higher penalty fee. Number two is Elon goes to court. They battle it out and the court forces Elon to buy Twitter at $44 billion plus legal fees and maybe damages. That is, I think, the least likely to happen here um, because the business, I, I don't see them forcing this sole individual to buy a company that is publicly trading with 7,500 people on payroll that has a global voice from a platform perspective. Um, yeah, don't see it happening. But if it does, I would be highly surprised. And three, uh, that Elon pays a significant penalty without any equity in exchange, somewhere around 10 or $15 billion. So my wild bet is if they don't settle, the courts will require that painful penalty setting precedent uh, at around a third or a quarter of the value of the deal with no equity. You're paying it as a penalty. You're not buying more shares or equity or control of the platform. So for that reason, I think the wisest thing is to settle out of court, either at a cheaper price on the deal, if Elon's using it as a tactic to negotiate, 
or pay a $5 billion penalty and walk out the door, Elon. Don't let the courts decide it for you. So now speaking to the lengths of how long this could be in court, could be a year, could be four. And in that battle, you know, the stock will drop. Um, I'm sure by Monday, tomorrow, we'll see a drop of 7 to $10 in loss. Maybe not by Monday, but over the course of the next few weeks. Or over the course of the next few years, a 15 to $20 loss unless they focus on product and culture while they're dealing with the legal battle. Uh, because ultimately, you have the product itself, which is consumer-facing, but you also have the investor market that is publicly trading. This is a publicly trading company, so there's an investor market that's quickly having to assess what this means for the company, its longevity, does this chaos impact the product, and if they do go through this long, lengthy battle, having it clear that someone is leading the business and the product and the culture separately from the legal battle that is happening. This will also probably have some impact on Tesla shares for the long term if this is a long-term battle, which hopefully not. So I don't see any you know, immediate impact to the consumer-facing side of Twitter as a product. I think that comes long-term depending on what happens in the short term. And my biggest concern off the bat is corporate culture and the flock, Twitter employees. So for a workforce that has already been against the merger, I think honestly where we're at right now is probably the worst thing that could have happened for the workforce, for the flock, for the employees. To now be in a space to hear your leadership trying to sue to be sure that this deal happens all while the company has froze hiring, not doing any backfills on those who transitioned in addition to layoffs. So just recently, over the last week or so, there was a 30% cut of talent acquisitions team of the talent acquisition of the talent acquisitions team at Twitter. A 30% cut, a layoff that's happening, and you know, all non-essential job offers that have been made have been rescinded. If not all, almost all. It's chaotic. Another LinkedIn post I saw in an article, uh, LinkedIn um, laid off employee in talent acquisitions also made it known that Twitter has blocked or has a blackout on the ability for employees to sell their vested shares. So that means not only are you dealing with chaos, you can't get your money out of what's been paid to you as a compensation in restricted stock units. So as an employee, it has to be a mess. And I think that's what's going to have the long-term impact to the product because you have a horrible culture right now. It's a mess. Obviously, people are going to leave. It's going to reduce your headcount. And you've locked, you've frozen your hiring on any backfill. So you have all that. Also, while Elon has publicly made comments about the lack of experience or quality or performance of Twitter employees over the course of the company's history, uh, especially right now with the conversation um, on moderation. So all of that. And this is my favorite part. Twitter's management team has been incredibly quiet throughout all of this. They say they're hiding, not sorry, no, not hiding. They don't say they're hiding. I say they're hiding, but they say they're being quiet um, as they have to due to the ongoing deal that's in progress. Again, I think most of that would be 
the case in a traditional M&A deal, but this is a largely public deal that's playing out on Twitter as they're looking to acquire Twitter. Uh, so beyond what's owed to us publicly as the public of a public platform or to the shareholders, they're also not saying much to their employees. And as a traditionally transparent company, to now be quiet has a tra traumatic, a, a ginormous impact uh, to company culture. So Parag Agarwal, who is the CEO, he became the CEO after Jack Dorsey's transition um, in the fall of 2021, he needs to get vulnerable and transparent with his staff to the fullest extent allowed by law. No matter how this plays out, Agarwal has no place at Twitter in any role of leadership at the end of this conversation. The employees have to be fed up. They have to be over the fact that he's been really nowhere to be found throughout much of the conversation. Of course, he's there, he's present, he's dropping off coffee and donuts to staff members in the UK, but I don't know, as a CEO, I would be aggressively moving forward with our teams to be sure that they know how we can move forward in this season while there is chaos happening on the outside and not just hiding behind the fact that there's a deal happening. I mean, presidents of the United States of America, they have one thing that they have to operate by. There's one president at a time. If I'm elected for those four years, I'm the president. At the end of that four years, at three and a half years, once we've announced a new president elect to run the country, they're not in charge. The current acting president who is in that term for four years is. And I think that's one thing we're missing in the current leadership. There's this trepidation on where we're going, what's going to happen, and not moving the company forward as if the deal can't, or as if the deal is currently impacting operations. They need to separate it, have someone running. If that's Agrawal running the company, having someone focus on the deal, which we've lost at this point. So if the deal doesn't go through, at the end of the day, Agrawal walks away with a $42 million payday that comes as a result of a change of ownership clause in his agreement. So if the company sells, and within 12 months of that sale, if Agrawal is fired, he gets a $42 million payday. And so either way, Agrawal is leaving Twitter. He's going to leave it either because a deal goes through and he transitions at the ask of Elon or this deal does not go through and you have no face to show at the end of this because you allowed it to get here and you've not been present to walk your teams through this very trepidatious season of a possible or chaotic sell and deal. You know, Twitter's management and board, they've been following seemingly the quiet version of a for dummies style M&A playbook. They've been quiet. They've been invisible. They've tweeted six times. Half the board isn't on Twitter. It's a mess. All while Elon is running this entire deal publicly on Twitter in the loudest of ways. And so if you're not going to follow the playbook on one side, you have to at least be creative and aggressive on the other. And they're not doing that. It's been a mess. So if I got a phone call from the board of uh, Twitter and the management team, and they said, Jalen, what is it that you would do? How would you walk us through this season of chaos? Here's what I would say. A, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 
Uh, most importantly, let's remember in this deal, the shareholders have not yet voted. All of this is still on the board's decision in agreement with Elon. The board has not accepted this deal at their shareholder meeting or in any proxy earlier vote than that meeting. So I would do a quick and rapid assessment with the shareholders on where they want this conversation to go. Do the shareholders in concern for their premium pay against the current share value want Twitter to sell to Elon or to any successing deal that would obviously be at a lesser price because this is just now a bad situation or does the the shareholders of Twitter want Twitter to remain an independent public company and focus on the issues that are now at hand. So does the shareholders want this deal to go forward with Elon or someone else or for them to remain public? That vote has not yet happened, and that is a vote that I believe is critical on how they move forward in any of these conversations. Because again, if you're going to court to force Elon to go through with the deal, your shareholders still have to vote. And I don't know, your shareholders might just want a higher dividend in response to a penalty than anything else. Number two, Agrawal and the board, namely Chairman Brett Taylor, needs to pull a series of all-hands meetings and smaller focus meetings with their employees, driven by either the employees asking questions publicly or anonymously on what actually is happening, what's next, and what are the possibilities for where Twitter goes? At this point, to the fullest extent allowed by law, Twitter's board and management needs to be incredibly transparent with their team at this point because at, there, there's I can only imagine the lack of trust or the lack of safety the flock has right now in this season. I think thirdly, Peg Agrawal, his $42 million termination fee and release him from the role now. There's no point in keeping him there. At the end of the day, he's leaving either because the deal goes through and he's fired or because he's not been present in this deal and no one is going to respect him in that role as CEO. I think go ahead and create a co-CEO office. Rather, it's two co-CEOs or a CEO and a president acting in a shared capacity one focused on the product and consumer engagement. Where is the company going? What is the product doing? And how are we building Twitter? And the other role focused on the people experience. What's happening culturally at Twitter amongst its 7,500 current employees? And how are they building a culture that is healthy coming out of this chaotic situation? I think while Brett Taylor is still actively on the board, he has to step up. He has to step up and be the face on the deal and legal side of the conversation. So I think you have your co-CEOs or CEO and president focused on the product and the consumers. One role. Second role, someone focused on the people and workforce experience. Second role. And the third role, that board role, rather that's Brett Taylor or someone elected to do this job, they're focused on the now litigation or the progress or advancement of a deal or a lawsuit in the end. At this point, it's a mess. And that I believe will create clear clarity on how to move this forward. And lastly, 
Twitter does not need to push the deal through. Let's say the let's say you know we remove the shareholder vote from the conversation. Don't push the deal through. Do not force this deal to happen. Go ahead and push for a settlement or push in the lawsuit that there is a significant penalty paid around 10 to 15 billion dollars. So if you settle, go for 5. If you're going to go through with the lawsuit and you can't settle, push the courts for a cash penalty of 10 to 15 billion dollars. In that penalty, use that as a cash infusion into the business of Twitter. Twitter has struggled to make a profit over its existence. Use the cash to pro- to progress the development and expansion of the business, innovation, etc. Secondly, Give a dividend, a special dividend to your shareholders as an apology to make up for the chaos that's been happening. And thirdly, give a check to your employees, current and previous in the midst of this transition that have been impacted, that have been impacted by the chaos of the Elon Musk and Twitter acquisition deal. So first, take it to vote. Let your shareholders vote at Twitter on what they want to happen. Does Twitter remain independent or do they pursue this deal or another deal? Secondly, Agarahal and the board need to be more transparent to the fullest extent of the law with their employees. Their employees need security. Their employees need transparency. Their employees need to trust the leadership and what's happening now and moving forward. Because again, if this deal does not go through, the board will be sued management will be sued, and I don't see a place for Agarahal or the board in the conversation after this deal is done or exited. Thirdly, pay Agarahal his fee now. Get rid of the current CEO at Twitter. Create an office of the CEO, a co-CEO role with either a CEO and a president or two co-CEOs, one focused on the consumer and product. Secondly, one focused on on the people experience, the flock at Twitter, someone who has previous people management experience. And thirdly, the board, rather be the chairman or someone else on the board who's focused on moving the deal or litigation forward. It has to be separated immediately to manage workforce and culture at this point. And lastly, Twitter does not need to push for this deal to happen if Elon does not want it. Don't throw this precious thing that has global impact into the man of someone who's into the hands of someone who does not want it anymore. If Elon's wants out of the deal, don't push it. Settle for five billion or push the courts to give you a 10 or 15 billion dollar penalty fee that you can use to cash infuse a business, that you can use to give employees significant bonuses for their struggles in this season as an apology, and a special dividend financially to the shareholders of Twitter as of the date of this deal taking place, or the announcement of the deal taking place, or as of the date of the settlement being closed. Y'all, these are just my thoughts, these are my opinions, and a chaotic space and situation with the Elon Musk and Twitter deal. Hey, I doubt anyone from Twitter will hear this podcast, well, hey, not from the executive team, maybe someone on the team will hear it, but ultimately, if someone does hear it, here's some free nuggets from 24-year-old Jalen Bledsoe, the managing director of Flair Partners, chairman of Bledsoe Collective, on how to manage the rest of the situation and begin to repair the corporate culture internally 
and navigate the rest of this craze with some level of sanity. Thank you so much for listening. This is Jalen Bledsoe. This is the Jalen Bledsoe podcast available on Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts are available. And maybe, again, this is also being pushed to YouTube. Have a great rest of your week. Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep building whatever it is you're going after. And talk soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.